Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, I'll be doing my player spotlight on the late great captain, Willis Reed of the New York Knicks. We'll cover his early life as well as his playing career in high school with Grambling and, of course, with the New York Knicks. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, so I am back. Your boy GD, that sports dude, is back once again with a player spotlight that's near and dear to me. Uh, We lost this man recently, and as a Knicks fan, uh, you know, I started out as a Knicks fan in 1981. So this was before this man's exploits, um, before his championship runs and so forth. So, but I heard the stories and everything. But yeah, so this one hits hits close to home for me, guys. So today, my player spotlight is on Willis Reed, the captain, of course. So let's get into it, guys, shall we? So Willis Reed. He was a center slash power forward. Uh, I'll get into his stint as power forward as because it was for a few seasons or so. But he was born Willis Reed Jr. He grew to be six six foot nine and a half ish. Uh, he, he's listed six ten, but. He was much less than that guy, so, and he weighed 235 pounds. He was born June 25th, 1942. He's born in Hico, Louisiana. Uh, that was down there where they had uh, down at his family farm. Well, it's grand grandparents there, but his parents were there as well, obviously. Um, Hico, Louisiana is part of Lincoln Parish and it's a town so small that uh, they they couldn't even uh, figure out the population of the town it was so small so his parents were Willis Sr. Willis Reed Sr. and N.L. Reed Uh, that's his mom his father worked as a saw, in a sawmill factory while his mother was worked as a domestic, you know, cleaning houses, so forth. Willis was the only child, and he was actually second cousins to NBA small forward, former small, uh, small forward in the NBA, or Orlando Woolridge. So, so Willis Reed have having relatives that actually played in the NBA, Landon Woolridge being that one. So so he was born in Hico, Louisiana, but his family moved to Bernice, Louisiana. And this was a town that was on the rise due to the uh, agriculture and the lumber 
business starting to bloom in that town. So, Ber the town of Bernice was about three square miles wide. It only had two stoplights, guys. And the population was about 1,600 people. So, very small town. Very small town. And uh, he grew up in the Jim Crow South where it was uh, deemed as separate but not equal so um, so obviously a modest upbringing he had there was no family car so but uh, the Willis would go back and forth from Bernice where his parents were and were working back to Hiko where his grandparents were and where he spent summers working on on the farm so so Willis at an early age was taught the importance of hard work, commitment, and earning what you work towards, uh, basically earning your keep. So uh, those principles was instilled in him at an early age. So Willis went to all black schools pretty much all of his life. Um, from his time in Bernice, where the family moved there just around the time he was ready to start school. So, so from his formative years up until high school. And Willis always showed athletic ability, even as a youngster. So, so you knew something was going on with him as far as uh, athletics goes. So. He attended Westside High School in Lilly, Louisiana. This was about eight miles from Bernice, so uh, so he commuted into school. You know, probably the school bus comes around and uh, picks him up. So, uh, and while at Westside High School, he was coached in basketball by Lyndon Stone. Now, Lyndon Stone was a man who. He would come to school each day in a tie and a sports jacket. So, uh, very much uh, a dapper sort of uh, guy at the time. So, uh, but that's the attire he came in to school with. And he coached from the sidelines in a tie and sports jacket. Willis also had a, a assistant coach that was prevalent in his. Uh, in his development as well, Duke Fields, and he taught him many life lessons that stayed with him. So, Willis excelled as a basketball player. Even much so, he uh, received a visit from Gramlin State's football coach Eddie Robinson as a senior, and Eddie was there, you know, to get him some recruits, for, you know. Uh, he did his local recruiting, so he wanted uh, Willis Reed to come and join the football team. And Willis at the time, you know, he was a senior, so he was the captain of the team. Actually, he was captain of the junior, and as a junior and senior, he was the team captain. So at an early age, Willis displaying leadership qualities that would serve him well in future, so... So upon 
Coach Eddie Robinson's visit, um, Willis did decide to go to Gramlin State University, but which is a HBCU guys, so all black, historically black college and university. That's what HBCU stands for. So he decided to go to Gramlin State, but to play basketball, not football. So, uh, so Willis Reed staying in Louisiana for his college education. So, and he would be coached under the great coach Fred Hobdy, uh, the coach of Grambling State there. Uh, now, his dominance as a low post player, as a center, um, which he displayed in high school, that carried with him to Grambling University as well. And it translated well to the college game. In his four-year career at Gramlin State, he played in 122 games. He scored 2,280 points, and that was at a 18.7 uh, points per game average. He pulled down 1,851 rebounds, and that's at a... Over 15 rebound per game average. From the field, he shot nearly 60%. And from the free throw line, 74%. This is what he did as a senior, guys. Uh, 26.6 points per game. 21.3 rebounds, which was second in the nation at the time. And he shot at nearly 62% from the field. And... And here at the college as well, uh, he was a team captain. So once again, Willis's um, leadership shining through at a collegiate level. So, and while there, his Gramlin State teams won three sw uh, SWAC titles, that Southwestern Atlantic Conference titles, one. NAIA championship, which they won in 1961, and a third place finish in 1963. So, so winning following Willis Reed uh, throughout his young career so far. So, then Willis would be the youngest player on the U.S. men's team on the 1963 in the 1963 Pan Am Games in Brazil so uh, Willis chosen for the Pan Am Games there he was invited to the 1964 Olympic trials for the men's team there but he lost lost out on a spot on the team to Jim Barnes and we'll speak about him uh uh, briefly so 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 he didn't make the 1964 Olympic team so so nonetheless that is Will, Willis's uh, college career now he gets drafted by the NBA in the second round he was the 10th overall pick in 
it was actually eight picks and then two territorial picks. Um, but he was 10th overall in the 1964 draft. Some of the notable players that went in this draft, Jim Barnes, who beat him out for the spot on the Olympic team, he actually went number one, and he, too, was drafted by the New York Knicks. So you had two big men there now with Jim Barnes and with Willis Reed. So Also in that draft was Walt Hazard, who was drafted by the Lakers. Actually, he was one of the territorial picks because he went to school at UCLA. Jerry Sloan, who was drafted by the Baltimore Bullets. Paul Silas, who I did a player spotlight on recently. He passed recently. He was drafted by the St. Louis Hawks. Uh, Joe, Joe Caldwell, who was drafted by the Detroit Pistons. Happy Harrison, he was in that draft as well. And also John Thompson, who I did a spotlight on recently as well. He was drafted by Boston. So <clears throat> Willis, he thought he was drafted way too low. And he thought he was better than a lot of the picks that went ahead of him, including the number one pick, Jim Barnes. So, um, so he was offered, being that he was a second round draft choice, he was offered a $10,000 contract with a $3,000 bonus by the Knicks GM at the time, um, Fred Podesta, as an incoming rookie. So, so that was his salary coming in, guys. And Podesta would be later replaced by Eddie Donovan. So... So, uh, Willis's rookie season, let's talk about that, 1964-65. He starts out as a center, which is his natural position, obviously. He's coached by Eddie Donovan, uh, ironically enough. But Eddie Donovan goes upstairs to the front office, and then Harry Gatling takes over for him. But uh, overall, guys, uh, the team didn't do so good on the court in fact they finished 31 and 49 so which was four they finished fourth in their division in the eastern division uh willis played in all 80 games he averaged about 38 38 minutes per game 19 and a half points uh 14.7 rebounds, and that was good for fifth in the league at the time. He made it to the All-Star game in his rookie season, and he um, he was also named Rookie of the Year. In fact, he had a game in which he scored 46 points. He did that on March 5th. 1965 against the L.A. Lakers. He did that in a home game. So, And that four, 46 points was the second highest uh, scoring t total for a rookie. So uh, already Willis making quite the impression as a pro. So, 
And on that team already was a guy named Dick Barnett, who would, um, he was about in his fourth year, so shooting guard, he can shoot with the best of them. But, you know, he was mired with this losing team, so, um, but Barnett would be a catalyst in the championship years as we go on, so. So, let's move on to his second year in the league, 1965 and 66. In that season, they traded for Walt Bellamy, and with that trade, Willis got moved to the power forward position. And during that season, he was coached by, uh, again, Harry Gatling, but Harry Gatling was fired. In comes Dick McGuire. So, um, the overall record, guys, 30 wins against, uh, 30 wins against 50 losses. So, yeah, so not much better faring, guys, that's for sure. So, um, he played in 76 games, averaged about 33.4 minutes. Um, with Bellamy coming in, his scoring average went down uh, to 15.5 points per game. His rebounds fell as well, 11.6 rebounds. But he did make the all-star team again. So, But um, record-wise, not such the greatest of starts his first two seasons. And, of, of course, a fourth-place finish in the... Eastern Division. Uh, then we move on to his third season. In that third season, they drafted Cassie Russell, a slick shooting um, swingman. So you, you got some help there. Uh, Dick McGuire, he coached the team yet again. And he coached, uh, coached them to a fourth place finish. In the Eastern Division. So. So once again. Bottom feeders are the Knicks. Uh, uh, Willis will play in. 78 games. About. Uh, 36. A little more than 36 minutes per game. Um, nearly 21 points per game. Which was ninth in the league. And 14.6 rebounds in that. He finished 6th in the league in that regard. Made another all-star team. And actually, this was the season where, guys, um, let's first talk about what happened in home opener. So this is, this is Cassie Russell's indoctrination to the NBA um, as a rookie, seeing what uh, Willis did. In the home opener versus the Los Angeles Lakers, a game that took place October 18, 1966, Willis at the time was locked in a battle inside with uh, a guy for the Lakers, a veteran named Rudy LaRusso. So Willis complained pretty much the whole game to the refs about LaRusso's uh, rough play, but uh, you know it fell on deaf ears. So, 
So Willis said, let me take matters into my own hands here. So, so he hits LaRusso with a elbow at the foul line. LaRusso, he goes and he throws a punch um, that, that hits uh, Willis Reed. Willis goes ballistic, guys. And in, in retaliation, he clocks LaRusso in the jaw. Breaking his jaw. Also, he hit um, Daryl Imhoff, who was holding him at the time. He also went after <laughs> that Laker bench, hitting uh, John Block, a rookie there, and Hank Finkel, another rookie, breaking his jaw. So, uh, Willis Reed just went, uh, you know, he just went off. So, so with that, and then afterwards, Willis uh, got to the locker room. He was upset with his teammates. He was like, how come you guys didn't have my back here? And, and Dick Barnett said to him, um, he said, man, you was winning that fight. What we need to jump in for? So um, anyhow, so this, and ironically enough, uh, shortly after that uh, fight, um, the Knicks, well, the Knicks named Willis the team captain. Um, they named him team captain uh, not too long after that game. So, at the age of 24 years old, Willis was named the team captain. So, that's, you talk about responsibility, responsibility being thrust upon you. They saw that. Uh, Willis was the guy to lead them, so um, so a shining light out of that uh, that story there. So so, but in that season, again uh, a fourth place finish. So and a lot of people saw Dick McGuire as this guy that was much too nice. So um, so pretty soon we'll see a transition in that. 1967-68 season. Uh, in comes the the rookie class that would change pretty much change everything, guys. In this rookie class was uh, Walt Frazier, Bill Bradley, and Phil Jackson. So this would be the class that uh, began to turn the fortunes of the Knicks. So. And in that season, they were coached by Dick McGuire, but Dick McGuire was fired and then brought in to replace him was Red Holtzman. Red Holtzman was a guy who was no nonsense, who, you know, disciplinarian, and he wanted maximum effort from his players. So. So. Red Holzman does well replacing Dick McGuire. In fact, so much so that the, the, the team, for the first time, made the playoffs. They finished third in the Eastern Division. Uh, they made playoffs, but they lost in the first round to the mighty Philadelphia 76er team, four games to two. That was the team that had Wilt on it, uh, Hal Greer, Chet Walker, 
Wally Jones, Billy Cunningham, Luke Jackson, and those guys. So, um, and they would eventually win the championship, that team. So, for that season, Willis played in 81 games. He averaged 35 and a half minutes per game, 20.8 points per game. So, in that, put him 13th in the league. And, I'm sorry, that put him 15th in, no, 13th in the league. And then, 13.2 rebounds put him 8th. He made another all-star team as well that year, guys. So, things starting to turn the page for the New York Knicks. So, then we move on to the 1968-69 season. Now, this season was very pivotal Towards the Knicks fortunes going forward. They made a pivotal trade. When they traded Walt Bellamy. Along with Howard uh, Combeaves. Combeaves. Who was actually the point guard at the time. So this actually cleared the, cleared the room. So that a Walt Frazier can take over as point guard. So, um, Because at the time he was coming off the bench. So, they trade Bellamy and Comeves for uh, for Dave DeBusher coming out of Detroit. Now, Dave DeBusher was a strong power forward. He was a guy who was no-nonsense. Uh, another leader that you bring in uh, to help this team. So, And this was the team, I mean, this was the trade that really changed things. And, um, oh, to double back to Red Holzman being there, Red Holzman asks Willis Reed as the captain to start taking younger players under his wing and start motivating this team, which he did. In fact, uh, Walt Frazier said that Willis would take the young players under his wing on the road. He would room with the younger, younger players just to, you know, Show them, uh, show them the way. Also, he would lend <laughs> the young guys. He would lend out his car. He would lend out money to them to help them out. This was the kind of leader that Willis was. So, so back with the trade here. Um, upon this trade happening, um, this is what Willis had to say about it. Since the trade, I feel like a new person. Center is my position. So so now with the trade, Willis goes back to his natural position of center with uh, DeBusha there to, you know, do the dirty work and allow Willis to do his thing. And in that season, on the Red Holtzman, they go 54 and 28. So this becomes kind of their real taste of winning uh, so and then they make they make the playoffs again they win win in the first round they beat the Baltimore Bullets in the Eastern Division semis and they sweep them in fact and this was a team that had Earl Monroe on it Wes Unsell Kevin Lockery, he was on the squad as well, and they swept them. 
But they did lose to Boston in the Eastern Division Finals. Where they faced Russell, Havlicek, Sam Jones. And then that team ends up winning a championship. Uh, in fact, that was Bill Russell's last hurrah. So, for the season, this is what uh, Willis did. He played in all 82 games, playing nearly 38 minutes per game. Over 21 points per game, which was 19th in the league. His 14.5 rebounds was 7th in the league. In fact, his... Uh, 1,191 rebounds is now a Knicks uh, record for rebounds in the season. He shot it a career best 52, over 52% from the field, which was third in the NBA. And he shot from the free throw line 74.4%. So, and obviously he makes another all-star game, so. But things are starting to look up, guys, for the New York Knicks. Then we have the magical season of 1969 and 70. Uh, of course, that's the year that it all came together, guys. The Knicks would go on to win 60 games. That was a franchise record uh, with 22 losses. And again, this is the year that Russell retired, so the path was clear for the Knicks to dominate. So... Including that those 60 wins was a 18-game win streak, guys. So, uh, so yeah, so they definitely took care of business that season. Wilt made another All-Star appearance, and he was the All-Star MVP of the game. So, also, he ends up being the league MVP. So, you already got him as the... All-Star MVP, League MVP. Oh, by the way, when he won that Rookie of the Year award, that was the first major award that a uh, Nick player ever won. So, there's that. So, so he's obviously the first Nick player to win League MVP. Uh, and in this season, this is what he did. 81 games. This is during regular season. 81 games. Over eight, 38 minutes, 21.7 points, which is his high. Uh, that was 15th in the league. And nearly 14 rebounds, which was 6th in the league. So, And he shot it 50.7% from the field, 75.6% from the free throw line. So in the playoffs, this is what he did, guys. Again, they beat the Baltimore Bullets. You know who's on that squad. Um, Monroe, Unsell, now Gus Johnson. He's the uh, power forward. He joins that squad, but they take them down. In the next round, he beats the Milwaukee Bucks, who has a young center by the name of Lou Alcindor. We know him as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, as well as Bobby Dandridge. So he, they beat them four games to one in the second round. And then in the finals against the Lakers, a team that had uh, Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, they beat them four games to three. So, so this is what happens in the, the finals, guys. 
Late in game five, uh, Willis suffers what is what is now diagnosed as a torn abductor muscle in the thigh. So, um, pretty much this is the muscle that allows um, allows your leg to uh, bend. So he tears that muscle. <clears throat> but in that game five, they do get the win. So. Willis misses game six back that goes back to L.A. And in that game, they were blown out and they were absolutely destroyed by Wilt Chamberlain, who had his way inside. He had 45 points and 27 rebounds. So, so with that said, game seven, things are up in the air, guys. They don't know if Willis is going to play or not. Uh, the team has no idea. Little did they did they know that Willis and Coach Holzman pretty much knew what they were going to do, but the team did not, as a whole, did not. So, so obviously the team was pretty nervous about uh, not being able to play without their captain. So, so. What happens is the team goes out for warm-ups while Willis is still in the locker room. He ends up getting a shot of cortisone that was uh, shot into his uh, into his leg so that he's able to play. So, and again, Reed and Willis knew that he wasn't going to let his teammates go out there like that. In fact, uh, I have a quote from him. Uh, about that moment uh, if I can find it uh, I'll get to it so anyway so so as they're out in warm-ups uh, there you have um, you know the announcers trying to figure it out everybody's trying to figure it out but Willis goes out there now this is the quote that uh, comes from Willis. So, th this is something we all wanted very badly. It was so close you could touch it. It's one game. It was what I dreamed of as a high school kid. It was what I worked so hard in college for. Not only me, but everyone in the, that locker room coaches management for me not to go out to try and be a part of that to try and give whatever I could and I did didn't know what it was then I would be letting them down and letting myself down if I tried and failed that's that's the way I wanted it I didn't want to be a guy who didn't come out and show he had the guts and grit to be there that was the moment to try so, so that's what Wilt said upon him playing in that game seven. So, out of the tunnel comes the captain. In fact, uh, Marv Albert, who did uh, radio play-by-play -play at the time, you could hear him on the radio. Imagine you being at home, you're on pins and needles about the Knicks playing in this game. And then you hear Marv say, here comes Willis. So, so with that, he comes out. And it puts his mind immediately at ease. Madison Square Garden goes into euphoria. They're, they're, 
it gets so loud in there. So much so that the Laker, the Laker team, during their warm-ups, they stop everything to, to look around and see what's going on here. And then they see Willis Reed go out to the court. And so they stopped their warm-ups to watch this. And a lot of people say <laughs> that that's where they, they got defeated right then and there. Seeing Willis come out to the court. So, um, so with that said, out comes Willis. So the game takes place. Game 7. Willis hits the first two baskets. And as the saying goes, the rest is history. The Knicks get the win, 113-99. to Willis is named the NBA Finals MVP, so, so he gets the triple threat there. He gets All-Star MVP, NBA MVP, and Finals MVP. The first time one player has gotten all three awards in the same season. Uh, that wouldn't happen again, I think, until I believe Jordan did it. So, uh, so Willis Reed once again setting milestones. But in that game, Clyde Frazier, Walt Clyde Frazier, goes absolutely off, guys. 36 points. He does it on 12 of 17 shooting from the field. He was perfect from the line, 12 for 12, 19 assists. Seven rebounds, and who knows how many steals he had in that game since they don't they didn't count it as official stats. So so and the famous quote that Clyde likes to say, Willis provided the inspiration, I provided the devastation. And boy did he. So and with that game, anytime a player gets injured and tries to come back and play for his team. It's considered a Willis Reed moment. And we've seen that done with Isaiah Thomas when he had the, the ankle that he twisted and he was on one leg doing it. That's considered a Willis Reed moment. And it even translates to other sports as well. So, so um, this is a moment that just stands out in the annals of sports history, guys. So with that said, the first championship for the New York Knicks. Um, definitely a wonderful time in the city of New York, that's for sure. So, so with that said, let's move on to the following season. Them as defending uh, NBA champs. They would finish 52-30. and 30. They were still first in the Atlantic Division. But this season... Willis dealt with some nagging injuries here and there throughout the season. So, um, in fact, uh, he ends up playing 73 games. He played over 39 minutes per game, nearly 21 points per game. That's 18th in the league. His 13.7 rebounds is 10th in the league. And in this season, he actually had a team record. 33 rebounds in one game. So, and during this season, and this would be, oh, by the way, guys, this is the last season in which he averaged a double double. And also his last season 
uh, making the all-star appearance as well. So they would beat Atlanta in the Eastern Conference semis four games to one. That Atlantic team had guys like Lou Hudson, Pete Maravich, and in fact, former teammate Walter Bellamy was on that squad. But they would lose to the Baltimore Bullets. Baltimore Bullets finally getting the, getting the best of the Knicks in a in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, series that went four games to three. And of course, Baltimore had Earl Monroe, West Unseld at the time. Lockery was there as well. So, so that season ends. Uh, with them just missing going back to the finals. And then you had the 1971-72 season. Now this season was a um, bit of a lost season for uh, Willis. But the team did well though. Uh, they went 48-34. and 34. They finished second in the Atlantic Division. Uh Willis only played in 11 games that season, guys. Um, he started out the season with tendonitis in his knee. He came back to play, and then he re-injures the same knee. So it only left him to play 11 games, guys. And also in that season, uh, they traded for Earl Monroe. They were able to bring in Earl Monroe and also Jerry Lucas. So, so you had two veteran guys coming in to help this squad and they did just that uh in fact the knicks beat baltimore in the eastern conference semis four games to one they would upset the boston celtics uh boston at the time had cowens they had Havelcheck on that squad and they would beat them four games to one but they lost to the Lakers this time in the finals, guys, four games to one. So uh, Wilt and West was able to exact a little revenge, and they uh, got an NBA championship. So Then in the 1972-73 season, the Knicks would return to prominence, guys. Uh, they go 57-25. and 25. They finished second in the Atlantic Division. Uh, Wilt will, will, will play in 69 games that season. Averaging only 27.2 minutes. Uh, averaging 11 points and 8.6 rebounds. In the playoffs, they would beat the Baltimore Bullets. So once again, they would best the Bullets. Now, the Bullets this time, they had Elvin Hayes. They brought in Elvin Hayes to go along with Wes Unsell, Paul Chenier, and they beat them four games to one. They beat Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, that team with Cowens, Havelcheck, JoJo White, they beat them in a grueling series four games to three. And then they would best the L.A. Lakers, so they were exact revenge on the Lakers. Four games to one. Losing the first game and then winning the rest of the four. Beating Wilt, Jerry West, Gail Goodridge, Jim McMillan, and those guys. So, And then 
Willis Reed in the clinching game, uh, 31 minutes, 18 points. He did that on 9 of 16 shooting, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, and the Knicks won 102 to 93. And Willis Reed wins the finals MVP again. So, so, so the Knicks reaching the summit once again their second championship guys and the last one they would win uh since then so so willis would play one more season 1973-74 this was abbreviated too with uh due to injuries the team did finish 49 and 33 but willis only played in 19 games that season average a little over 11 points, 7.4 rebounds. They would play in the playoffs. They beat the Capitol Bullets. They moved to D.C. Now, uh, that team had the Big E, uh, Wes Unsell, and Chenier. And they, they lost uh, to Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. So... And that was four games to one. Willis would retire after the after the uh, season, and he was only age thirty-one, guys. So that's pretty much his playing career. So, so that's how that goes. When I come back, guys, I'm going to give you what he did post basketball, and also. Uh, of course, we're going to cover his accolades. And of course, my favorite, what others have to say about him. And also some quotes from him as well. So we'll do all that on the other side. Guys, once again, I thank you for listening. And, you know, as always, you can check me out on the website, all things basketballwithgd.com, on YouTube, Apple, all the platforms, and give reviews as well. Okay, guys? So. With that said, we'll talk on the other side, all right? Uh, Until then, take care, guys. So, my peeps, if you like what you're listening to, you can go to my website, www.allthingsbasketballwithgd.com. You can also email me at thatsportsdugd at gmail.com to support this podcast you can go to my PayPal, and that email is thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. Also on my Anchor page, I have a support button there that you can also use to help the podcast. I'm on all the major platforms like Anchor, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon, SoundCloud, YouTube, CastBox, Radio Public, Podchaser, just to name a few. And also, you can find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, and Fanbase. So, once again, I thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. And take care and be safe.